I've got some money and some cocaine. Let's fucking do this. You're still listening. This is our final transmission. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another issue. An issue? Fucking hell. I like it. We're a magazine now. Uh, welcome to another episode of uh, Final Transmission with me, Jamie Carruthers. And with me, Sam Russo. How are you doing, everybody? How How are you doing, Sam? It's been a while since we recorded last. Oh, it's been too long. It's good to see your face. It's good to be back on the pod. I'm doing great. I feel very relaxed. I've enjoyed the movie that we're talking about. So today we're going to talk about uh, a film from 1982 called Extro, which is, spoiler alert, fucking fantastic. I love it very, very much. (laughs) It's a film that is, I would say, pretty uh, obscure. A lot of listeners or people that may have seen it or seen it around will will have seen it because uh, a section of it has been used in circles to highlight real aliens interesting this is news to me i don't again spoiler alert i don't know anything about this film except what i gleaned from watching it and that i read one small article about it in dark side magazine about 20 years ago so i'm very interested to take a deep dive into um, both your fandom and love of this movie and a little bit of the trivia i think you got in the simmer over there Holy shit. I guess that's why they call it Phantom Power. Jamie. Yes, mate. Guess what? Go on. Final Transmission, this podcast that you are very much a part of, is brought to you by Red Scare Industries, Chicago and the world's greatest record label. Holy shit. That's uh, that's cool. That's pretty great. Uh, Why do we love Red Scare? A million and one reasons. Mainly the music. Uh, out now on Red Scare, we've got Headful of Snakes by the band Tightwire. Superb, highly polished punk rock bangers for fans of Blink-182, The Copyrights, The Lillingtons, etc. Buy it now before it fucking explodes. I've not heard this record yet, so I'm going to buy it right now. Well, after we record this. No, I'm going to watch you buy it right now. Show me. Show Daddy how you buy records. <laughs> <laughs> and let's go back to the show. So yeah, so I'll, I'll give us a bit of a synopsis to, to kick us off. Tony, his name is Tony. The film makes it very clear that this kid's name is fucking Tony. I love Tony. Witnesses his dad being abducted by a bright light that he throws a stick at, then disappears for three years and then comes back, ultimately slightly changed and tries to reintroduce himself into the family uh, with mixed consequences. That's a very quick synopsis, <laughs> isn't it? Pretty good um, synopsis. I think you nailed it. I mean, we, I've said this before on the podcast, but I find it impossible to be journalistic or remotely impartial about this movie. It is one of my favorite batshit stupid movies. Wow. I, 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 there is no call for you to be journalistic about this movie. I think if you even tried, it would be uh, <laughs> virtually impossible. There's no way I can be impartial about it. It knocks you around like a ping pong ball. It's a very interesting film on many levels. And your synopsis was perfect. The guy gets abducted by something and then he comes back. Uh, I think the funniest thing about his return 
is is essentially a pivotal plot point. He comes back and his wife's moved on. Yeah. I don't know how much comedy I'm supposed to get out of that, but I found it a source of pretty immense amusement throughout the movie. So in terms of, you know, many different dynamics. You're right. The movie starts with this abduction. We call it an abduction, right? That's that's what we call it. I mean, yeah, I'd say so. He's transported elsewhere. Yeah. Your immediate thought is aliens because it's in the sky and it's a bright light. Yeah. Tony's left behind. He is left behind. Um, I mean, it's it's interesting that he hasn't aged in three years, this six-year-old child. Yep. <laughs> I noticed that too. <laughs> I was wondering if maybe the the intro that we see, the, the abduction mm. or, or the whatever it is that happens, um, we're seeing Tony's dream. So in Tony's dream, Tony's contemporary Tony. Sure. This this movie is is batshit. Is so silly. I, I I don't know about you, but you I feel like you can smell the cocaine like <laughs> wafting off this movie. I can smell something, and it's it's an enormous coffee table loaded with just vast quantities of every drug these guys can get hold of. I think director Harry Bromley Davenport, I think, is having a, a, a Scarface moment for sure. But I didn't think that in the beginning because we're presented with a really dour or dour. I don't know how. How do people say I think, that? I, I think dour is I the way. I say dour, but people are always saying dour. A very flat, very English opening to a movie. Very kind of idyllic countryside, but super bland. You know, dad, kid, dog, stick. And then you get aliens. So that's my first surprise. Yeah. Because the performances from the outset are pretty prim and english aren't they that we're we're, we're looking yeah, I'd at say so. yeah early 80s english acting stock these people are clearly you know relatively trained i would say as actors but yeah the dialogue from the outset a little wooden i'm gonna go and say um, yeah and i might come back to that word a few times in this movie so the, the 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 appearance of lights in the sky and the exploding stick and the the wind and the debris and the screaming and the saying of the word Tony many, many times. It is quite a surprise, especially if you don't know what's coming in this movie, which I didn't. The first time you mm. saw it, did you know anything about it? No. I knew that the monster on the on the VHS art looked fucking terrifying. Yep. And that was, that was plenty. That was it. That's all you needed. And this yeah. is one that I'd seen on the shelves at the video shop at TVL All-Star Video in Haverhill, shout out. And I just never rented because, I don't know, at the time, I guess it didn't tick my boxes. I also had a bit of an aversion to British horror, I'll be honest. I wasn't a huge fan of many British horror movies at the time, so it, it, I just wouldn't have gone to it. But immediately I'm in because we got Aliens, and that's one of my favourite you know, subgenres. I love a good classic light-in-the-sky alien-themed sci-fi horror movie, so I'm instantly in. Where does the movie take us after this abduction? I'll tell you where. Just really punishing levels of painfully English, grimy... Dirty, mauve, torp, magnolia, yellowy, browny England, um, which I always find really hard. Uh, so I, I tried to lean into it as much as I could and I, I rode the wave. So, you know, there's the abduction, but what happens next? I mean, what, what ultimately happens is probably the thing that I like most about this movie is that we're layering this weird alien abduction story on top of what is essentially a very British melodrama. Yes. About a family moving on after the disappearance of a of, of a father figure. Yeah. Or a husband figure. And I love that. I think it's just it's just magical. Yeah. 
I don't know if, if Harry Bromley, Davenport's dad, left when he was a kid and he was left horribly scarred by that, or maybe one of the people that was involved in the writing of it, uh, potentially. But I, the, the, this movie is about how terrifying it would be or how horrible it is when your sort of patriarch leaves the family mm. and maybe tries to come back and maybe you think that they're scum now because they've been away for so long. Sure. But yeah, I mean, what happens after that? Everything happens. Yeah, <laughs> everything. There, there are so many things that happen in this film. Yeah. I read a bit of trivia online uh, on IMDb, which is obviously the first point of call for all trivia. They didn't really have any ideas and they just sort of threw everything in that they liked the sound of. They thought it was all shit. But I think it all it all builds this this weird, almost like boring touch point, but like Lynchian, like mind fuck of a movie where you where you're looking for a deeper meaning you're constantly looking for a deeper meaning and you could probably find one if you if you continue looking hard enough yeah but there is no deeper meaning really beyond the fact that maybe there's some trauma in someone's life somewhere that has informed sure. this uh this story but yeah let's let's talk about let's let's sort of just attack each vignette okay as, as it comes so obviously the thing happens at the beginning and tony's dad disappears they're living their lives afterwards. Tony's having these horrible dreams about his dad. There's a couple that are driving down the road mm-hmm. in, I don't know, Hertfordshire or somewhere like that. Um, somewhere near to London, but not London, I sure. think is the is the vibe. And um, somewhere sort of southern and provincial. And they see this fucking horrible creature in the road and, and they hit it with their car. But it's fine and it kills them. And that's that. But the creature, let's not yeah. blow by the creature. I mean, it sets its stall out early, this movie, as being completely fucked. I mean, that mm. thing is... I, I mean, I assume it's a person on all fours, crawling, but made to look backwards, right? Made to be sort of inverted. And then with a head kind of twisty on the other and all like grey and strange looking. I, I thought yeah. it was terrifying in the headlights. If I was to guess, I think that is someone walking sort of crab-like on their back. Right. So their their arms are extended behind them, and Got they're you. sort of crab walking, and the and the the face prosthetics are, are on the back of their head. Ah, uh, okay, interesting. So you've got this sort of weird animalistic, not humanoid sort of movement. Sure. Uh, but it's it's fucking terrifying. Um, so that's actually the the moment I sent you a gif like before, just to give you a bit of an idea of what the film was like. And that was enough of an idea. <laughs> yeah. So so that that gif and that moment is. If you Google real life alien invasion or something like that, mm. it's like the sixth image. Image. So really? people are people are using that as as real. Right. Okay. Someone somewhere has snipped that out and been like, "Hey, this is real." And then other gullible twats have have believed that. Interesting. I mean, the thing about that happening at that moment, the thing that it coupled with for me is the opening music in this movie is absolutely brilliant. The, yeah. The little synth riff. It immediately made me think of the darker episodes of Red Dwarf. Yeah. You know, when anytime there's any kind of darker subplot in the real good Red Dwarf series, the middle, you know, whatever, four to six, there's that very, very similar. It, I used to think it was kind of Dark Star influenced or that kind of thing, but it has to come from stuff like this. It's even got the little trill that sounds a bit X-Files, a mm. bit, a bit, you know, um, a bit very much, you know, strange, spacey kind of everyone's experimenting with theremin and, you know, synth noises. 
Couple that with this creepy, crawling, upside-downy, backwards flesh creature that's just dropped out of the sky, like you said, in the fucking woods in Surrey in the headlights. It's it, it's really visceral, and straight away it tells you uh, this isn't a classic alien abduction movie, and it's not a British melodrama. It's a lot more, and all at once. <laughs> so it's pretty full on. So your alien immediately dispatches the the man from this relationship, and then yeah. goes off to the car, kills the woman. Mm-hmm. I think we're kind of left to believe that that's the end of that little scene. Yeah, he kills them both. But he doesn't. He doesn't become a human man until a bit later, does he? No, 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 not till much later. So they leave. They leave it there. Yeah, that's where that scene ends, and we go back to. Well, we basically go back to uh, first. The guy gets his eyes zapped with the weird tentacle thing out of mm. the uh, alien guy. Then we're going back to the old house where he was first abducted from. Yeah. And somehow sort of 13 minutes of this movie have passed. And you're, you're just, I think, as a viewer who isn't really necessarily used to this kind of movie specifically, drenched in pretty horrible, greasy kind of fear. Like <laughs> something really scary to me about these things happening in England in the 80s. I don't know why. It just makes me so uncomfortable. Yeah. And then we get like a, essentially a mega babe with a shotgun 13 minutes in. So where does that come from? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like we're going from like horrible, grisly... Uh, alien guys uh, in the provincial leafy wilderness of England in the in the grisly dark, and then we've got you know this this woman who's living in this house running around with a shotgun trying to shoot the alien that's invading her house. Uh, doesn't feel um, like a like a reach, but it's wild when you lay it out in a synopsis. You know she's she's blonde yeah. in a nighty running around with a shotgun, and one big thing I noticed in that scene that really depressed me was the pink shower mixer hose. Do you remember those? Yeah, oh yeah my I definitely God. do. Too close to home, dude. <laughs> Too real. <laughs> Too fucking real. But that whole scene is great. You know, We get to see incredible creature effects of this tentacle flying out of the alien's mouth and sucking or blasting in, we don't know, some, some kind of transmission of fluids with her belly. No, his belly opens up and the tentacle comes out to her mouth. That's it. Which, again, I thought was an interesting flip. You wouldn't normally see that. So what that scene wants you to think mm. is that the tentacle has gone elsewhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wants you to think about that sort of horrible, violent sexual assault. Yeah. But then it subverts that by actually the tentacle goes to her mouth. Yeah. In a knockoff alien kind of way. Sure. And then, you know, she's immediately pregnant with a full grown man. That's it. You think you've dodged the bullet. Of there yeah. being any kind of like impregnation here, and then oh boy, have you not dodged that bullet at all? It has gone, is ricocheted off a tin can and whacked you in the back of the head. That is one of the most fucked up, fully grown men being born out of a fully grown woman's body scenes I've ever seen. Yeah, they uh, they don't hold back on the effects here. It that is brutal. It's it's the the sort of thing that you could only get with like super low budget horror like this made. Because someone somewhere was like, I've got some money and some cocaine. Let's fucking do this. <laughs> yeah. So, like, basically, uh, Tony's dad, Sam, climbs his way out of this woman's birth canal and entire torso, ultimately. Yeah, it doesn't stay together. Shredding her skin as he does. It's like red dog food. It's absolutely horrible. Yeah. I. I mean. <laughs> I want to say I love it. You're going to say you love it. I knew you were. I want to. It is good. It did feel a bit uncomfortable, but in the way that it's supposed to, I think. Um, yeah. It wasn't funny either. I thought it was going to be hilarious, but it wasn't. It was just really unnerving. 
Yeah. Just really well done. It's lit in such a way that makes... I, I really think the lighting in this movie is good, by the way. I think they do a lot of things really well. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a moment in that scene yeah. when she turns the light off and then all of a sudden everything's red. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm just, I'm just going to flick on the red light because this isn't spooky <laughs> enough. In my cottage in the middle of nowhere. I like it. I, you know, I... The, the birth scene for me was where I leaned forward a bit, which is normally where I would lean back. Uh, I thought, yeah. if you're going to pull off this fully grown dude coming out of this fully grown woman, and you're going to do it in a way that doesn't make me laugh, you're making something really good here, like really clever. Yeah. And I think the music does a lot there. You know, shrill, scary, jarring, single note synth. Great. Really well done. I know I love that shit. And, I, you know, I talk about it too much probably, but it really does the job in this scene. And then yeah. we cut to something which I thought was even more disturbing, uh, Tony's mum goes into his bedroom uh, and pulls back the covers. And what's there, Jamie? Loads of fucking blood, Sam. He's drenched in blood. <laughs> yeah, of course. Why, why wouldn't he be? <laughs> the kid is soaked in blood in his bed. Yeah, and the world's poshest doctor comes around and says, Ooh, I'm, I, I, I can't do posh, Sam. So oh, I'll try. Oh, I can. <laughs> go on, go on bring, bring, bring the posh, Sam. Ooh, how interesting. This boy seems to be absolutely drenched in blood with no point of origin for any wound and then he's like oh well goodbye (laughs) absolutely insane and his mum's like oh no what happened the doctor tells her nothing that i can see and she's like okay back to bed like what (laughs) i'm sorry what i couldn't fucking believe it so like one of the things that makes this film so magical for me Mm. is is that it plays like a film that you enjoy because it's so bad that it's good Right. But but it's not bad. It's not bad. You, you enjoy it on that sort of similar primitive level of like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. And I'm and I'm having the best time for no good reason. Yeah. I think ultimately Extra is bigger than the sum of its parts. I think they they, they made a bad movie mm. and they and they used some great effects and some great music. Harry Bromley Davenport, the director, also did the music in that sort of John Carpenter sort of way. Interesting. Of, tinkering with a with a synth which i think i mean we'll, we'll come back to that they they took some some skill mm-hmm. and made and made the best movie that they could and it's super earnest and it feels like it should be bad but it isn't it's like it's it's so bad that it's good but it's but it's not bad it's good yeah does I that agree. make any uh, sense no that sums it up perfectly <laughs> and the thing that nailed it for me i think the best line in this whole movie and the best delivery for sure in this whole movie happens in that blood scene and it's really subtle. Is it not you crazy maniac? I mean, that's phenomenal too. And that has its place, you know, in the, in the kind of ranking order of great lines in this movie, but it's so easy to miss. And I actually rewound it and watched it, watched the scene again, because again, I was like, why aren't I laughing? This kid is drenched in gore. And he's just laying there kind of not smiling, but not really too bummed about it. The doctor doesn't really seem to give a rat's ass about what's going on. And the mum just cleans him up and sends him back to bed. But when they pull down the the sheet and he's covered in all this blood, and it's that really bright red hammer blood, he looks at his mum and says, Daddy sent it. Yeah. And that's the scariest line in the movie. That's so cosmic horror, and it's so completely unexplainable, and so perfectly delivered daddy sent it i mean it it really fucked me up it gave me genuine chills yeah and i thought that was fantastic and that stuff like that in this movie elevates it beyond oh this is you know this is funny it elevates it way beyond that because that's psychologically terrifying to me yeah so that that whole scene was fever dreamish a lot of this stuff feels really dreamy but right on the cusp of nightmarish and then you realize it's all real and it's all happening to these people so yeah superb and i think the wooden 
delivery of the dialogue, and I'm going to say this for the whole movie, a lot of the dialogue is really wooden, but it adds to the the terror. You know, yeah. when, when people are just kind of in complete shock saying, oh dear, while something completely <laughs> fucked is happening in front of them, it freaks me out even more. So I really lent into the, the slightly stilted delivery after a little while and just got down with it and, and realized it was all part of the fear. Yeah, definitely. I think in my notes, I've got something very similar, which is the performances, that, they're all over the place. Yeah. Like, like you say, the, the, there is a feeling that these actors are trained. Yeah. Maybe not Tony. He's in a baked beans advert. But... <laughs> uh, excuse me. Let's not, let's not belittle baked beans adverts. He's in the advert from the, from the 80s. Where Does he say like, beans means Heinz? Does he do that? Or I, I, I think it's either that or like a shredded wheat advert. Oh, He's God. like... It's it's that level of performance. You he's know what I mean? such a Cockney geezer in this movie, though, isn't he? Yeah, he's such a little. Oh no, I've gone done it again. Oh no, he's so Cockney. It's it's and his mum's posh-ish. His yeah. dad's like fairly Middle English, I would say. And yeah. he, for some reason, he's like, oh, hope you do apples and pears. Like he's <laughs> such a little Cockney. <laughs> it's great fun. But yeah, so I think the, the performance is all over the place. Yeah. There's a there's a tendency to assume that they're bad or to think that they're bad because of that. Yeah. But but you're right. All it does is it it just feeds into this weird feeling of like otherworldliness. Like yes. you're watching something that you're not supposed to be watching. And like I buy the performances mostly, but they're all stupid. But I yeah. buy wanting to ignore the the blood on your son because he hasn't got any wounds. Yeah. Where's the blood come from? Yeah. Maybe he's just been out skinning goats again. Who cares? <laughs> But like, who cares? I'm tired. That's the yeah. thing. When she leaves, she shuts the door and she says, "Sleep well, love." <laughs> what? No, probably not gonna. Daddy sent blood. Like, what? What are you saying? But again, I didn't laugh. I was just like, "Fucking sleep well, love." Is all you've got to say. I want more. I wanted to know more about this fucked up family. And the, yeah. the, all of these house shots are fucking horrible, dude. The geography of this house is so confusing. It's mm. really dilapidated, but it's hanging together. Like, they're clearly living in this house. They've got washing hanging up. Do you know what I mean? There's attention yeah. to detail. But it looks derelict. It yeah. looks like they've just gloss-painted everything and left it for a thousand years it's completely horrible it's a horrible place to be throughout the movie it's tight yeah. it's dim it's dank the color palette makes you feel ill and it's it's really unnerving you throw that in with this stilted but wonderful dialogue and you've got a horrible fucking place to be for the next hour and a half and yeah it, it grabbed me in ways i didn't think it would from that scene onwards basically like because it's shot with that level of detail and it almost like i don't know makes me think of like i don't know, like kez and yeah. films like that from sure. the early 80s or like or like those um the the bbc like play for today stuff mm. from back in the day where it's like it's all melodrama we're in we're in melodrama territory but you've just like layered this weird lovecraftian yeah sicko alien on top of it all it's yeah. just it's oh it's fantastic yeah why does anything happen that's quite a big question in this movie, I think it's driven by, you know, if we're being a bit meta, all of this happens because they had to write a movie and they had loads of drugs. And I think there's a lot of decisions that are super obviously, you know, originating in that mindset. Yeah. But also, I think there's some some artistry in, in some of the decisions. You, you're, you're, I hadn't even thought of the melodrama angle. You're absolutely right. It's, it's not soapy. It's beyond that. It is melodrama and it is a family dynamic. And I think a lot of the why does anything happen stuff comes out of the psychology of this weird family unit because the dad is coming back from space or another dimension 
and his wife is with another man and the other man is not like him you know he's american he's kind of brash he's a photographer uh, we yeah. we think that dad is uh is what a scientist i think it says in the uh mm. in the actual like uh, whatever the synopsis but you don't hear about that in the movie they're immediately different on many levels and that creates a weird tension that again you you would think would be kind of funny and i have to admit i did find some of those interactions funny because it was like is there going to be a three way or a fight what's going to happen here because <laughs> yeah. there's a horrible grimy sexual storyline happening here as well like people are fucking in this movie and it's horrible i think things happen out of the weird psychological horror of this returning alien dad and the new guy in the family and the traumatized child and the essentially vacant mother in in many respects and then you've got the the vital sexual presence of annalise the french au pair or whatever she is who comes out of nowhere by the way which is great and then you throw all that into this weird like dirty london setting and uh, supernatural stuff starts happening so i want to know why why are the father and son psychically linked before he does that weird sexual sucking on his inner juices bit yeah like because obviously that they, they they are linked because daddy sent the blood yes but uh, and he's having these dreams um which presumably is is the is what portents the the return of sam mm. but then the thing that he does to him when he like sucks on his shoulder, which mm. is unpleasant, so gross, very very sexual, yeah, yeah, uh, and unpleasant. It's right after uh, a sex scene as well. Your brain is in sexy mode. Yes, yeah. you know it comes out of. Um, well, he melts the payphone first, which I thought was amazing when he talked. Yeah. Try that was a dream for me. I swear I've had that dream before where I can't speak into a phone and then it melts in my hand. He's trying to speak and he can't. Phone melts. Super effective. One of the, that will stick with me forever. It was horrible. Then we see Annalise and her lover. Uh, well, he's going down on her, but he's just sucking her thigh, <laughs> which I think is is foreshadowing the shoulder suck. I think it's meant to be horribly sexual. Interesting. I hadn't I hadn't made that connection. I just thought that you know he couldn't be actually going down on her. Yeah, like you're not allowed right in a movie. He can't just be chumming on beef in this movie. He's got to be like he's got to be stage munching. So he's on the thigh. Yeah, but I think they linger on him sucking her thigh, and I think that is supposed to be some fucking horrible sexual foreshadowing of when Daddy sucks his son's shoulder. <laughs> Dude, it's gross. Yeah, no, it's it's deeply unpleasant and incredibly entertaining. Very, and then we we there's a a guy crashes into the back of a car and gets out and says, "Oh, sorry about that," and she's just laying there with her guts out. So there's that, and then we cut back, and after the just i mean not gratuitous because i really enjoy it but an enormous amount of bush and thigh sucking then we're back in the house and the dialogue between the returning father who's been gone for three years and the the mother is i'm back you're back <laughs> That's, those are the lines yeah i mean can we talk a little bit about about uh the annalise sex scene before we move on just a yes. bit more so, so I was watching this with, with my partner, Kaz, and um, I mean, you know Kaz, but listeners sure do. maybe don't. Um, and she was like, what was that for? And obviously it's to illustrate that she doesn't give a fuck about this family or this child or anybody. She just wants to get her end away. Yeah. And there's a really funny bit later on when she is absolutely just like goading both of them. Like, oh, doesn't Sam look really handsome? Yep. She's an oh, antagonist, I think. She is. Yeah. She is. She's kind of an agent of chaos in a few scenes. She's also, I think, 
Yeah, I mean, I hadn't really thought of it that she doesn't give a fuck about the family, but she's totally an employee at least. Do you yeah. know what I mean? She sneaks off to fuck every time she gets a chance to. She does that brilliant delivery of the tired, don't care, hide-and-seek game later on, which I thought was superb. Yeah. And she she's kind of phoning it in for the most part. She's not really folding that laundry. She's just fucking around with it. Yeah. Um, so I do see her as kind of antagonistic. Uh, I don't love her performance, to be completely honest, because she's a bit inconsistent for me to really get a handle on what her motivation is. But that can that can be said of a lot of stuff, you know. The, the motivation for her is be there, look great. Mm, yeah, that's probably and be French. Yeah, and she does all of those quite well. She does. She, um, I don't know if I've, I've not really seen any James Bond films, but I'm aware that she is a Bond girl. Is later she? On. Oh well, yeah. there you go, dude. I mean, that's a, a pretty crazy count level, you know, level of uh, starlet or whatever horrible phrase we're using for this, for this yeah. movie. I think she was in one with uh, with Timothy Dalton. I think the, the the point that she serves is pretty obvious, and but I do think that sex scene is kind of important because it shows us a lot of her personality. She's very playful. Yeah. She's she's I think dominant in that sex scene, and you know she is supposed to be somewhere else doing something else. Um, so it tells us everything we need to know about her in terms of this movie. I think, and I do yeah. think the sucking foreshadows the other sucking. <laughs> I'll be honest, I went, originally thought she was having sex with the Canadian photographer. Yeah, so did I. That's where I thought it but, was going to go. But she wasn't. No. So, you know, sorry. Yeah. Do you say can- he's Canadian? He is Canadian. Fantastic. I take back what I said before about him being American. He's Canadian. Super. I mean, maybe the character's American, but the actor is Canadian. Sure. After I'm back, you're back, we're treated to... Um, Another fantastic line of dialogue by who I assume is the landlady or the homeowner who says, I see you're walking up the stairs again. (laughs) I love this character. She is amazing. She's fantastic. She is. She's she's a trope. Sure. But she also brings a bit of slapstick. She's a vehicle for some slapstick in the movie, which I like. You know, if you're going to have two lines of dialogue in a movie where one character says the other, I see you're walking up the stairs again. And the other responds, yes, it helps me get to my apartment. Uh, (laughs) You better do it well. And she does. She nails it. And then we get what we get in that scene as well. Again, I would be pissing my pants laughing at this dialogue if it wasn't for the fact that it has this brutal dungeon synth behind it. Yeah. Clever. That's just clever. Layer that dark, horrible, punishing dungeon music behind this ridiculous interaction between these two relatively comical characters. They're both vehicles for fun in this movie. And what do you get? Kind of scared. It's kind yeah. of a scary scene for no reason. And they do that the whole way through. Tony, again, is is in Cockney geezer overload in the next few scenes. We get another fantastic line from our, our Canadian top shagger. He says, look British, think Yiddish, which... Yeah, amazing. <laughs> Come on, I never heard that in my life. That's pretty phenomenal. And this is at the point where, you know, if things weren't already flying off the rails at a tremendous clip, Dad starts eating the snake's eggs. Yeah. That's when... Nothing makes sense from then onwards. I think in a good way. I I love that. Yeah. I think anytime you say X disgusting thing happens. Yeah. I'm gonna respond. I love that because you're not you don't see it coming. You know something's no. gonna happen with the snake because the kid's running around with this. I've got a pet snake, and I. And then all of a sudden, Dad's in there, just not just eating them, like popping them in his mouth like mini eggs. He's yeah, crushing yeah. crushing a grey slimy snake egg all over his mouth. And then the kid sees him doing it. And that's when their relationship starts to change. Yeah. So the kid runs away. Tony runs away down loads of back streets. Sweating with his shirt open. So yeah. weird. 
So weird. He's a child. Why is he doing that? I mean... He's got his little belly out and he's sweating (laughs) with his shirt open. He's like blue school shirt with the short sleeves. Yeah. Good luck. There's no way Garth Marenghi hasn't seen this movie, by the way. Garth Marenghi was born out of this, surely. (laughs) Yeah, like this and like, I guess like a bunch of like Norman J. Warren movies and stuff like Inseminoid, which I think is on the list. Oh, I haven't seen that. Inseminoid is everything that it sounds like. Oh God, I'm so scared already. (laughs) Okay, I'm ready. I think I'm ready. It's 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 like the the ostensibly the sexual assault scene in this, where you think that's going to go. It's that for ninety minutes. Oh god, dude! I see what you're doing here. You're soft. You, these aren't arbitrarily ordered, are they? You've sequenced this to soften me up, or to toughen me up, should I say, for the next? Yeah. Oh yo yo. Okay. This all right. is all a, a, an exercise in desensitization, <laughs> okay. in which at the end of it we will watch uh, a Serbian film. <laughs> And, and you no. will be like, and you'll be like, hmm, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> Great. So this is where, this is the point in the movie where Garth Marenghi is is making notes. There's, uh, I mean, this is nearly what is this? Nearly halfway through the movie, and you, you're just sort of still kind of reeling from the opening ten minutes at this point. And and it was at this point in the in my in my viewing of the movie that I thought this is actually really really well paced. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like it 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 takes a real lull down. Mm-hmm. But like weird shit just sort of punctuates these little moments. You yeah. get the you get the eggs, you get the shoulder sucking, mm-hmm. you get the snake being pummeled by the woman downstairs. Yeah. Like you get these horrible moments. The the bag of wet snake. Dude so bad like that i I figured out at this point as well what was so uncomfortable for me in this movie is the 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 sound work the foley everything is so gross everything's so close and squelchy when she's eating those chocolates there is no need for it to sound like that that is a deliberate choice to make people like me squirm yeah and then she batters a snake that fall snake falls through the ceiling through the seat through the light slapstick as fuck lands in her salad ha 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 she mashes it with a tenderizer Puts it in a bag so it's just like a sloppy grey goop and gives it back to the kid. Says, there you go, there's your snake, you little bastard. That's horrible. That is horrible. Absolutely horrible. There's the argument at dinner with the throne bottle and your favourite line of dialogue. Crazy maniac. Crazy maniac. It's it's delivered perfectly. Like, obviously, it's a bullshit sentence. Right. A bullshit line. You crazy maniac. Like, those are two words that mean the same thing. So, like... (laughs) I believe the delivery. Punchy delivery. Really solid. Right emphasis yeah. on the right words. Total conviction. He looks like he means it. I, I bought it. Again, I didn't laugh. I just thought, this is uncomfortable. Again, uh, another another great line from, from that character. A bit earlier on when we see him at work doing a photo shoot. Yeah. He's, uh, he's photographing uh, a beer next to a woman's foot. Yes. And says, imagine your foot is a, has a face and, you, and smile. Yeah. Amazing. Great line. Someone must have heard that on a photography set and just put it straight in the movie. And he's, ta- he's talking about like pumping her leg through a Novocaine because she's been there for so long. <laughs> like, it's absolutely fucked. The, the, following, the following scenes were so weird and so jarring that, that in isolation, I think they would have seemed silly. But they're tied together by this horrible, grim aesthetic that I know I keep talking about. But this, in my notes, I've written, Mum's nighty is threadbare at the back. It's fucked. Kill me. That's where I was when I was watching. I couldn't handle how shit everything was. Like her, the back of her nightie. And again, I think that's a sexual thing because they're kind of painting this woman out to be pretty keen, if you know what I'm saying. I think she yeah. spent a lot of time on her back and that's why her nightie is all threadbare at the back. And it made me feel so sick 
what this movie was trying to tell me really subtly with the gross visuals. So I sort of thought the opposite of that. Not the opposite, but I sort of thought different to that. I thought, like, the dilapidation of the home and, like, how she sort of becomes more put together as the movie goes moves on oh for sure and when sam comes back i think she's sort of settling into a bit of a gray garden situation and, and like in, in the three years that she's that she, she's been without sam she's settled for this guy that is ostensibly the bad guy yeah she's let her house fall to shit she's had to employ a an au pair to look after her son because she's completely checked out mm. and then suddenly sam comes back and so, and she's she's back with it I mean, she doesn't know what she wants. She's all over the place. But that that, that was my interpretation of, of, of that stuff, really. No, I like that. There's also parts of her performance that are believably all over the place. Yeah. Like, even though, yeah, some of the dialogue and the things that she does are a little bit bizarre and hard to pin down, she does act like a woman whose fucking mind has been blown. And she does it pretty well, I think, actually. And, and you're right, like, they... They do physically make her up to be more together throughout the movie. Her clothing improves. She wears more makeup. You know, she does all the things that you would associate with somebody who's able to, like, get up, get dressed, put themselves together and leave the house in the morning, whereas before, maybe not so much. I couldn't get a, get a handle on any kind of, like, social status for the family in this movie because, yeah, the house is fucked, but they have an au pair. The photographer guy's clearly making money. They Do they have a cottage in the woods? Maybe. Yeah. You know, at, I couldn't figure out how they were doing, which is, again, just another thing that makes you feel dislodged and dislocated in the movie, not knowing where you stand with the family. Because movies nowadays, I think, are so keen to let you know exactly where you stand with this family. They have this car, this house, their professions are this, and therefore, here's where you are. This does none of that. I haven't got a fucking clue what's going on. And I did feel lost. Uh, and that added to the the fear, I think. Then dad turns on the gas and just starts breathing it. Yeah, <laughs> that that sort of doesn't come back really. I mean, it, it does come back. Comes back the once, kind of. Yeah, but yeah, but like it's is is gas food? Could be. Or does he need the gas to? Well, he doesn't need the gas to breathe. Otherwise, he'd need it all the time. It seemed re- regenerative in some way. Yeah. But my main takeaway from that was it was really effective because it made me think, fucking hell, breathing gas directly from the gas pipe would be horrible and he's loving it so again it just adds to the alien weirdness you know and it's not a silly alien weirdness of like oh you know i eat coal or something weird it's like i breathe gas you know (laughs) it's bizarre the two things are very similar i realize but there are other (laughs) like it's not like cone heads weird is it it's like yeah no breathing gas is fucked and again like the bleak grimness of the setting he there's just a gas pipe running along the side of the house and he just unplugs it and breathes it that's what houses used to be like yeah kill me i just can't handle this movie it's so bleak so he he explains the 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 stuff when he's talking to to tony yeah and he's like they changed me a bit so i could live with them yeah so so now he's fucked now we know there are other beings at play as well yeah A, a nicely placed piece of dialogue and again quite a, I don't want to say masterful, but like a really well-handled uh, growth of that backstory. He doesn't land yeah. on Earth and be like, I've been with aliens and this happened and blah, blah. He just trickles it out to a kid. Yeah. There's something really eerie about delivering that information in the in a way that a child can understand because he doesn't tell any adults. He doesn't explain it to us, mm. the audience, as adults. He tells a child and we see it through the child's eyes. And then all the toys come to life. Yeah, of course they do. <laughs> the, uh, the soldier bit 
the bit with his toy soldier where his toy soldier becomes a, a man in a toy soldier suit. <laughs> yeah. Um let's not sugarcoat this. That uh, this is technically very shit, but handled quite well in the movie. Like it's it's scary. Yeah. It does the job. It's got the felt hair, it's got a blank, shiny face, yeah, and dead like eyes, wooden hands. Like, and the movements are are fully like not over the top robot dance, just very jerky. And yeah, it's an action man, a fully grown human action man with a machine gun. But the the break in is scary. the The killing of the landlady is I don't want to say well done because, like you just said, it kind of sucks. But for some reason, we're still really unnerved by it. I think as an yeah. audience, no one's pointing at that and laughing because it's upsetting. I think it sort of taps into some of the stuff that we have with like Jason or Freddy, like the sure. dead eyed killer. Sure. Like there's the the thing that you get with those masks is that you don't see the emotion mm. like they're they're killing people presumably they love it because they're doing it but like mm-hmm. you don't see any of that joie de vivre yeah yeah you, you <laughs> just don't see it it's just yeah. it just sort of sits there they're killing and it feels like it's just they're going through the motions for sure and i think that is inherently terrifying and i think that's what they were gunning for for sure yeah no pun intended but they they were they were right to use a slightly worn out here's what happened and this is what happened in red dwarf all the time there was another production happening at pinewood studios and they had all those props and they were high as fuck and they worked them in i think that's what happened but not to the movie's detriment if you said to me in this alien abduction movie that so far has been so grim and so you know bizarre and psychological the toys are going to come to life and kill people i'd be like well i'm not even going to bother watching that because that sounds awful but there's a clown you know there's a a little person actor as a clown. There's an action man, and then there's a panther. Yeah, a real. The panther, panther is the panther is set up very, very slightly. I don't know if you noticed it. So no, fill me in because it wasn't in my watch. <laughs> in the scene where the clown comes to life, like it shows like the clown doll and like a little circus set up on ah. his table, and the um, there's like a panther. Yeah, there in I that set, it's like a long fuzzy felt panther thing. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. All right. That works. I mean, it's 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 a bleak, but it's yeah, there. It's definitely there. Yeah, you're right. And 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 that happens. Like it fully happens in the movie. It's not like I thought it was going to be a dream. I, the whole time I was like Tony's dreaming his toys are alive and killing the landlord. Revenge for the snake. Nope. That's actually happening in the film. Yeah. Reconciling that jarring pivot is tricky in the moment, but you soon accept it because you've been set up to by the rest of the movie. Absolutely. So I read a bit about the uh, the panther scene, yeah, and the, and how they filmed it. And basically, the panther was loose in this building, and at all times had someone with a shotgun trained on the panther. Oh, good lord! If it if it tried to attack anybody, and your director and presumably the cinematographer yeah. and camera operator, maybe they're all the same person. I don't really know. <laughs> but um, they're in a cage filming this panther no who way. is loose on the set and then the panther goes to sleep for six hours but they can't get out of the cage because if they start all this panther it will rip their throats out <laughs> and they're all high and uh, yeah i mean <laughs> what do you do if you're in a cage for six hours blow is the only answer <laughs> And if, 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 it, if it's available to you, why are you not doing blow? They're doing Westminster 1982 film crew blow as well. So yeah. there's rocket fuel. Yeah, they've, they've bought it off off the off the city boys. Absolutely. Off. I mean, that's, that's a rough shoot. But something tells me they loved it. There's nothing in this movie that feels like 
it was done laboriously or painfully. It all feels like quite a weirdly joyous, morbid romp. Yeah. It feels like it's been made quite deliberately, even though it's been thrown together in parts. It, yeah. It's a bizarre ride. I think that the, the, there's just some magic that holds it all together. Yeah. Like it's 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 absolutely slapped together from a load yeah. of mishmashed ideas that and has no real internal logic. Mm. But through magic of happenstance, it managed to form something coherent and something really effective and affecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it's beautiful for that. I, yeah. I just think there's something just really... I'm going to say magical again, but I, I, I can't think of any other words to describe this film. But there's mm. something really magical about about people doing their best and, and, like, and, and like looking upon something amazing. Mm. And that's what's happened with Extro, is that a couple of, a couple of people looked into making a, a fantastic film. Yeah, I think I agree. You're in that mode when all these bizarre you know, fantastical things are happening. And then you get this shot of an old man hoovering the lobby. Yeah. Dude, my note says the old man hoovering completely fucked me and made me want to die. <laughs> this must have been shot in a derelict building. Like, it it slaps you back down to earth instantly with a really heavy hand. When the clown is about to bat, is it Annalise? Does he hit Annalise yeah. in the head? With the hammer and the hammer goes floppy. Like classic clown stuff. Yeah. Just made my stomach turn. It's just so it just it's a real skin crawling kind of horror for me. So I have a question about that moment in particular. Yeah. Maybe this is a reflection on me hmm. and 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 my biases and my thoughts. But is the film or the clown or the director or someone somewhere trying to say that in this moment Annalise is no longer fuckable? Therefore, my hammer has gone floppy. That's what I thought. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't want to say I thought it in those exact words, but very close. Like, what other you know metaphor are we drawing from him holding up a big, rigid, heavy hammer, you know, and then it drooping, and then yeah. her being dead? You know, <laughs> what else are we supposed to glean from that? I mean, it, it could just be that that is a classic clown prop. But you could have used any clown prop there. You know, yeah. you could have done a million things. Yeah, big giant fish, like yeah, anything. Exactly, spinning bow tie, chop yeah. her head off, whatever. <laughs> Spray some acid out From of a flower. A flower. Yeah. yeah, anything. They, I think that was pretty deliberate and and punishing. Like a fucking horrible scene. It was yeah. brutal. But again, whoever you know, whoever concocted these scenes, whether in the writing, the directing, the the you know the the set design, whatever it is. They have a really acute idea of where the, the line is with humor because that's played for laughs. It's a clown, yeah. dude. That's the whole point. And then it delivers something truly grim. A death blow with a floppy hammer. Oh, yeah, I hear you loud and clear, bud. Didn't want to, but <laughs> that's what you're telling us. So that's what we get. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you picked up on that because I, I thought I was being massively pretentious and reading into it, but I do think that's what they were doing. Yeah, no, I, I think so too. And I think, again, the magic of this film is mm. you've got a bunch of coked up guys with a bunch of good ideas and like the chops to go with it, mm. but none of the connective tissue. You don't always need bags of that though, do you? Like the exposition that we talked about it not needing. Also, coke doesn't always kill a movie. You know, there's, no. there's a ton of movies that it has killed and a ton of everything that it's killed, including people, but it absolutely has not killed this movie. I think because they were doing shrooms too. And yeah. were probably big trippers. Um, 
So if you're gonna if you're gonna make a movie like this on drugs, it better be multiple drugs. That's that's if if there's any message from Extra, it's mix <laughs> mix your hallucinogenics with your stimulants. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It does feel like that at times. It does feel like a hyper stimulated hallucinogenic train wreck of a movie in all the best possible ways. And I think this is where things start getting pretty heavy because there's an unexplained cocoon scene. Annalise is put in a cocoon. The snake eggs that come out of the cocoon are put in some goo. And then dad needs to go to the cottage to jog his memory. Yeah. The family's kind of fully split in that mum goes with dad to the, the cabin. Tony is just sort of ends up at the photography studio with Mr. Loverman just sitting on his car outside in an alley. So 80s. Yeah. They figure out that um, potentially, well, they think dad was uh, out murdering people in the woods. So yeah. Uh, he drives the kid, the logical thing to do, take his son out into the woods uh, to see him. And then we have this pretty phenomenal, I mean, final eighth of the movie, which which was you know, pretty astonishingly fantastic from, from this moment onwards for me. What, what do you think about where the movie goes from basically revisiting the cottage to the end? Before that, really, I um, I wanted to maybe press you a bit on whether you think Sam is aware of what is happening. Because all the stuff with the eggs and the, the Annalise cocoon mm. and the toys coming to life, although Sam sees that early on with the spinning top, mm. like, and he's like, you got to learn to control this, son. Yeah. Is Tony being manipulated by the presence of whatever it is, and Sam has basically no idea of what's happening? Or is this all part of Sam's plan, and Sam wants to go to the, co- to the cottage to leave Tony alone so he can enact his horrible eggy plan it's horrible eggy plan i mean like i said i've only watched it once the way i saw it was whatever you know cosmic magic is in sam is playing out in a child's way in tony if you know what i mean like it's through the lens of his imagination um so you know maybe while sam is you know much more adult in his killing of people and his like horrible deformed alien visage uh, Tony is more childlike, so his toys come to life and do his bidding. That's kind of how I read it. I think we're thinking about it more than they did. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. But I also love the subplot that maybe it's a puppeteering thing, and maybe because it did feel like Sam was kind of training Tony at times. Yeah, which I like. Yeah, no, I thought so. I would have loved a training montage, uh, <laughs> but I think that develops into something that never fully resolves. But I, I like. Again, I like the speculation side of this. I like that there isn't, here's how it works, kid, in a classically American way of like explaining every single element of it to the point where it all seems ridiculous. You're just yeah. you're just left with a kid whose toys come to life and a dad who's obviously a fucking monstrous alien. And that's really all you get. What, what do you think is going on? I'm unsure because we're supposed to believe earlier on in the film that um, Sam and Tony are um, psychically, psychically linked. Yeah. So you would assume that Sam would have some some awareness of what is happening back at the house while he's away. Mm. Like presumably those eggs are for something. Mm. So if Sam has that awareness and he's like, we need to get... Well, also he talks about doing something with, with Annalise that we don't really know about. He's like, don't damage her though, Tony. Or whatever it, whatever yeah, it is that he says. he says like she's perfect for this or something, doesn't she? Yeah. Doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I got incubation vibes straight away. Like, you know, they're going to obviously cocoon her. She's a young woman. You know, they're going to do something gross with her. Does that ever play out? Yeah. What She's happens? in the cocoon over the bath. 
laying out the eggs. That's, that's, but what happens with the eggs, though? Well, they... Well, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> like, sort of nothing. It's, it's in the little weird code a bit, isn't it, where the mum goes back to the house... And she is finds that what the that eggs. Is? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's me being thick. I get it. I get it. I thought that was like, okay, that explains a lot. Thanks, yeah. Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she finds the eggs and one of the protuberances jumps out and attacks her mouth. And presumably the cycle begins all over again. Hold with on. A... Do we maybe have different endings to this movie? I don't know. What 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 was what happened in your ending? At the very end of the movie, for me, the last scene is a big white room with the mother being approached by loads of Tonys and all of the Tonys are saying, mummy, mummy, and reaching out to her. Yeah, that is a different ending. Whoa, we have different endings. Yeah. Nice. What happens at the end of yours? So I guess mine is the official ending. I don't know where you found your weird ending. Interesting. But um, yeah, at the end of mine... The mum goes back to the house. Yeah. She finds the fridge on its side full of eggs. She picks an egg up because wh- why wouldn't you? Yeah. Maybe she's looking for some dippy egg and soldiers or something. <laughs> sure. Uh, she she regards it for a few seconds. Oh, this is weird. And then the tube that, that impregnates the woman early on in the movie that leads to the, the ripping horrible birth. Right. Jumps out and attaches to her mouth. She's obviously horrified. This is bad credits wow so you got the you got the tony 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 ending totally different ending i mean we'll probably need to look this up and look into it a little bit more but it seems like there's multiple endings to this movie so i'd read about your ending yeah but i didn't i I didn't know that it was was like it existed well i saw it with my own peepers and with no other basis for comparison i just took that as read so at the end of mine we'll we'll go back to the transformation scene and the return to the mothership or whatever happens there because i think it's absolutely phenomenal but after that happens, we have a shot of Bernice, her name is apparently. I don't think I even really clocked that in the movie. But yeah. she walks up this like uh, slow incline with all these pine trees behind her. And then she sits down in this field. And so above, you've got this beautiful kind of white blue sunset, probably like a, a you know night for day shot. And then total blackness of the trees, some green and her like gray sweater. And it all looks absolutely beautiful. And then it cuts straight to if I remember correctly, a a, like gloss painted white hallway in a house. Again, really grim. You can literally see telephone cable just glossed white with the panther walking down it. And then it cuts to what I thought was like a mothership scene with her standing there smiling, looking down on like a room full of little Tonys. Like obviously the real Tony and then loads of kids in really bad Tony masks and they're all going, mommy. And she's like, hello. So I thought all the Tonys were the product of the eggs. Yeah, well, that's what clicked for me when you gave your explanation of how you thought it went. Because I hadn't put those together. I just thought, like, this is a kind of maybe crowd-pleasy ending. I don't know, like trying to make it a weirdly happy ending. The fact that she's got dozens of Tonys now, I didn't really know what to make of the ending. And to be honest, I didn't, like, tap out after the transformation scene. I just thought, this is the best bit of the movie. This is amazing. Mm. So I was kind of reeling from that when the movie actually ended. Yeah, so tell me your take on the transformation then. I want to I want to hear about... I want to hear about this from you, Sam. Well, they're wandering through the woods and immediately that's unsettling. Uh, they don't really have any reason to. Obviously, they find these remains and they're all maggoty and maimed and they keep walking through the woods and then you realise they're, they're kind of heading towards a light. Sun, mm. The sunset, they're moving towards this light on the ridge. And that was brought in really subtly and cleverly because I didn't see that coming. And then all of a sudden you're aware that it's there and you think, fuck, they've been walking towards that the whole time. So 
I was really impressed with that in terms of the the pacing and the plotting. And then there's there's one shot in the transformation. I think it's the first make because he he's obviously like his skin is. Well, there's the sex scene in the house, right? We can't really go past that. They ha- they have sex in the house, and yeah. he doesn't stop when she tells him to, and then obviously impregnates her with some kind of horrible alien egg spawn. Yeah. In that scene, it's noted that he's covered in like horrible alien rotty flesh sores. Yeah. That's good. I like I like the effects there. But there's a moment where he and this is like, it's got to be like the Wolfman. It's a throwback to like some serious Lon Chaney Junior shit. He walks in shadow through like a diagonal cut of light, black, white, black, and he turns and looks directly at the camera and he's got the big teeth and his face has changed. And it's so classic. It should be in black and white. It's such a perfect, you know, throwback. It looks absolutely stunning. And then he walks off into the dark again. And he's walking again more towards the light. He's got Tony with him. There's like this scene where he's got like a pale green melty head, like mm. a like a minty but grisly gray slimy head which i think looks fantastic and then wham we get this fully fleshy pulsating pumpkin head skeletor thing standing with like twitching predator teeth and big weird eyes with the light of the ship around and, and behind him the transformation is like you know it's, it's not exactly a cinematic masterpiece you don't see anything change but you do see these different stages of the change. And I think it's really effective. The alien looks amazing. Yeah. Tony is obviously all fucked up as well at this point for some reason. Looks like he's been dipped in acid. And then you get these incredible like abduction vignettes. Kind of cuts between these scenes where you get like a backwards sparks effect. Like if you imagine a shower of sparks, it kind of goes backwards. And that's what takes them up into the ship. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. Even though it's clearly just like sparks run backwards. I thought it looked amazing. And then we get the aforementioned different endings is the whole transformation sequence the same in your version i think so Mm. that that all sounds familiar yeah i think the end of this movie is fantastic Mm. like we talked when we talked about splinter how like you're you're moving towards a a fairly fixed point sure and 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 you can't really subvert that because it's the natural conclusion for this story Mm. and i think that that stands here as well like it's a it's a really natural end point for what's been happening mm. how else do you end it i mean they made fucking two sequels to this which i would not watch <laughs> i did not know that <laughs> oh my god um I, yeah i I would not watch them okay if, if you value your time i really do and I've, i valued my experience of this movie so i wouldn't want to mess it up yeah both directed by the same guy but um post just rehab post I, th- I think this film made some money Really, and, and and became fairly cult culty successy. Mm. So so someone was like, "Hey, here's some more money," but this time you get Jan Michael Vincent. Ooh, it's like interesting. Yeah, it, and the the sequels are very American feeling. Oh, okay, they are in America, American cast. I might try them. Uh, you know, one of the things that really bummed me out about this movie, as with all English horror movies, is just the unflinching britishness of it it just yeah. it adds a layer of depression to the horror that makes it a rough hang for me i, I love that escapism of horror movies not being <laughs> not being set in england i think i do like some english horror let's not write off a whole fantastic genre and a lot of tremendous work but the the really grim britishness of this was r- hard to swallow like a fucking snake's egg it yeah was, no, it i, I think it that that gives you 
it's it's like a weird level of gravitas that yeah. this film shouldn't have. It's part of the experience, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's essential to how how good this movie is that it drags you through that shit. It wouldn't work in suburbia, like in American suburbia. It wouldn't be the same. When you're watching an American film, it's like, oh, I'm watching this happen to them. Yeah, to those dudes. Whereas, <laughs> yeah, whereas with a film like this, you're like, this oh, could God. be me. Yeah, I could me. be Tony. Yeah. Where's, where geezer. is my dad? <laughs> Like, yeah, exactly. Where did Daddy go? These are the questions we're asking when we watch this movie. Yeah. It does tap into that psychologically. Like anyone who's had anything like that happen in their life, you know, we're feeling for Tony the whole way. Yeah. I'm gonna cut I'm gonna cut this out, right? But yeah. have you ever woken up like covered in horrible goo and 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 the person next to you has asked you where that's come from and you Daddy said Daddy's sent it. <laughs> I mean, not this week, thankfully. Uh, <laughs> sleep well, darling. Sleep well, love. Uh, no, but it's 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 uh, you know the quintessentially Britishness of this movie isn't the kind of quintessential Britishness of like Last of the Summer Wine or whatever. It's not that yeah. kind of depressing. It's a whole different kind of depressing. It's so uh, untouched. There's nothing dressed up about this. The, these the every, every everywhere feels real everyone feels real for better or for worse and nothing is really played directly for laughs i wouldn't be amazed to find that the, the people who made this film maybe had an interesting relationship with their own englishness do you know what i mean mm. because they're not you know there was a huge wave of people english people making american movies wasn't there and there's was a huge wave of horror becoming more americanized in this exact period because there was so much auteurship coming out of the u.s in terms of, yeah. you know, horror prowess. And we weren't doing so good. So to see this being made so deliberately in the opposite direction and to see it with such light touch horror with... Well, no, it's not light touch. It feels like it is. Like you said, it being greater than the sum of its parts, it feels really artistic. But when you look yeah. back, there's a grown man crawling out of a grown woman. That's not a light touch horror movie. No, definitely it's not. It's a challenging movie, I think. That's why I'm finding it hard to characterize it. It's a very challenging watch on many levels. And to say that, you know, I think people who really know movies say that about really genuinely complex movies, <laughs> you know, yeah. highbrow shit. But I did find this, you know, complex on the palette, shall we say. And, um, you know, for it to for it to resolve with this final home going, you know, you feel like Sam has gone home when he goes back to the cottage. And yeah, it might be predictable to to then have him being taken away on a mothership or, or go back to whatever dimension he was in before. But I genuinely didn't know where the movie was going because we've been throwing so yeah. many curveballs. I didn't think we were in for a big mothership ending. I thought we were in for some grisly, massive murder-suicide, if I'm totally honest. Or, or more than anything, I thought I was in for what we were talking about, coincidentally, in the Splinter thing where, you know, the heavies come in and kill everyone. I kind of thought we were heading for something like that because we hadn't seen any cops yet. You know, maybe we we're going to get some English bobbies. I was dreading it. But no, he does. He, he does kind of what you expect and goes up on the ship. But yeah, he fully transforms into this like uber skeletal pumpkin head. And it looks amazing. I think it looks fantastic. Looks incredible. Yeah. So a thing, speaking about like how we think that the the people behind this movie, director Harry Bromley Davenport and mm. et al., he didn't eat Al, but whatever. Their, their, their interesting relationship with um, with Britishness. Yeah. I read an interview where he basically slates like Hammer horror movies. Right. And he he thinks that they're stuffy old stories by by posh men that, that have no business telling horror stories. How interesting. And, and also thinking about 
horror around this time and Britishness, we would see a lot of that through an American lens. Sure. You, you, you've got your American werewolf in London. You've mm. got, I had another example a second ago, but it's flown out of my head. You've got all these, these, these sort of big budget American Hollywood movies being shot at Pinewood. Yep. So there's like a, a, a weird sort of British feeling in, in, in a lot of these American movies. Mm. And this feels like something that's desperately trying to buck that trend. Yeah, Make something sure. that feels super British without feeling stuffy or period or, I mean, some of those Hammer movies aren't period pieces, stuff like The Devil Rides Out. And yeah, and they are Psychomania. great. There's some really good ones. Yeah. Yeah, I think he was just trying to make something that was the, the absolute antithesis of that. And you, yeah, you just nailed it. But you know what they're not doing is what people did for decades afterwards, which is is caricature this Englishness. And everyone's like, you know, some Peaky Blinders bullshit or Downton Abbey or whatever. They they don't go there. They I, I do think it's it's more Shane Meadows than Shane Meadows in some ways. Mm. <laughs> it's scarier. Yeah, it's it's not nostalgic because it's happening at the time and it's not it's not tainted by this like massive cultural diet of of American media that we have now. So it's it is what it is. This yeah. is this fucked up situation where a guy gets abducted by aliens and comes back and his wife's moved on and he has some weird eggs to lay before he goes home. How yeah. does that play out in Wiltshire or wherever the fuck they are? Like, how does that play? That's really interesting. Will you give it up, man? Nobody's out there. We're alone. Oh, no, there's somebody out there. I'm picking up all this crosstalk. So, Sam, there are loads of ways if someone out there was predisposed to that they could support the show. When you reel them off for us. Yeah, I mean, even if you're not predisposed to, maybe we can persuade you to. You could uh, leave us a review. You could rate us on your chosen platform. You could pop along to our Patreon and chuck a couple of quid into the uh, the old piggy bank for us to, I don't know, keep the lights on. What else can we do? Follow us on Instagram, at FT Horror Show. That's an easy one. Anyone can do that. Uh, you could tell your friends. That's a big one. Yeah, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your boss, tell your weird Uncle Larry... Tell anyone who listened about Final Transmission. Your weird Uncle Larry loves horror films. <laughs> you know he does. Like, he wants to be listening to this. He showed you Nightmare on Elm Street when you were nine years old, when you were way too young. He was babysitting uh, one lonely Halloween night. And uh, yeah, we owe weird Uncle Larry a huge debt of gratitude for whooping you into a horror fan. R.I.P. Uncle Larry. R.I.P. Sorry, I just killed him. So, <laughs> Poor one out for Larry. So, extra, clearly a Jamie fave. I mean, I don't know if this has come across in, in the review, but I fucking love it. I'm a big fan. It holds a lot for me because it was, like you said, it was one that I saw in the video shop quite a lot when I was a kid, and then I picked it up off the shelf, mm-hmm. took it home, and then I felt very confused as a 14-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. More confused than I already was, let's be honest with ourselves. <laughs> And I took it back the next day and then I rented it again the following week. And I, I rented it quite a lot when I was a kid because it was it confused wow. and astounded me so much that I just needed to understand how it worked. And then I learned that it it didn't work. It, it was just a, a series of loosely hanging off ideas that uh, from the from the mind of some coked up 20, 28 year olds. <laughs> 
But that's. And I dreamed. I dreamed of, of one day being a coked up twenty eight year old. <laughs> yeah, it gave you ambition. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's enough though, isn't it, for a movie like this? It, you know, it's enough to keep you going back for more. This is a movie that I can see myself revisiting, strangely, because it was completely unpleasant to watch. 90% of the movie, I think, for me. I've got a lot of respect for this movie. I think it's really well done. It does mm. things that are really brave, especially for the time. I know it's difficult to look at things through a lens of, you know, for the of the time, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but I think it's pretty bold. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think highly original. I think really brave and original together when you put sci-fi horror together is a great recipe for something really memorable. So yeah, it did exactly what it was supposed to. I think it was thoroughly unpleasant in terms of like a viewing experience. But like you said, can't look away, really interesting, artfully done in many areas. Some bits I didn't like, sure. But as a story and as a an exploration of a, you know, a theme, I think it really smashed it. How many pulsating egg veins out of five are you going to give it? I'm going to give it four pulsating egg veins out of five, which feels high given how little enjoyment I took out of watching the movie. <laughs> but on reflection and talking about it, I think you realise, there's, a, like you said, there's a lot more going on in this movie than you can, mm. you can really put into words if you just summarise it to a buddy. I'm guessing you're going for a, you know, a full egg here. Yeah, I'm going for the, for the maximum egg. And again, it feels high, but uh, I just huffed a load of gas straight out of the pipe. So maybe, maybe I'm not to be trusted here. But, I've been uh, eating snake eggs all night. I feel great. Oh, well, extra. A, a different kind of fun to what I'm used to in a horror movie and a whole new level of heaviness bringing in, you know, many, many things that made this a very weighty movie. But yeah. Uh, thank you for recommending it. I really enjoyed watching it with you, Jamie. Cheers. No worries. Let's talk next time about a new film, a different film. Yeah, let's do another one. Let's do another one. Back to the video shop. 